It is a nightmare. It really is. I mean, I just the teams you have to rank each week that you just look at and you're like, this isn't a top 25 team, but you look at everyone else and you're like, I guess it is. I don't know. Especially this year. I can't, I can't fathom oh trying to figure out whether a mid-major is better than the eighth best team in the Big Ten. Right. Like I actually flirted with ranking Stephen F. Austin this week. <laughs> because yeah. I was like, well, at least they're not losing. Like, yeah. I don't want to rank some eight-loss team. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and I could have gone a lot of ways with the games we got coming up this weekend, but I, I don't know. Something really struck me the other night looking at the crowd during the Wake Georgia Tech game when they have, like, Tim Duncan and the whole 95 team back to celebrate them. And it's it's still a half full arena at the Joel. So I wanted and I've been meaning to bring Connor on for a while anyways. So Connor O'Neill covers Wake Forest, the Winston-Salem Journal. First of all, hi, Connor. And um, also, I need to get out of my Wake Forest feelings, but this is super depressing to me. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it wasn't just like it wasn't just the 95 team like Rodney Rogers was there. Josh Howard was there. I mean. I think there are 11 or 12 banners up in the Joel and more than half of them were represented by either a player on the banner or in Dave Odom's case, a coach on the banner, or uh, they even had one of the sons of Len Chapel there. I mean, it was oh just this, this gathering of wake basketball greatness. And then you have what actually happens on the court to to distract you and, and subtract from it. Well, that, and then also, I thought if anything could get Wake fans back in that building, it would be that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I put a tweet out. Uh, I waited until, I think I even waited until after the, the pregame ceremony, and I just looked around, and it, it just, you know, it looked like to me there were probably five or 6,000 in the arena and it's a 14,665 seat arena. Uh, they announced the crowd at 7,500 something, but I don't think it, I don't think it was quite that full. Um, you know, I had a couple people tell me like, yeah, it was, uh, I got off work at five 30 in Charlotte and just couldn't make it up for the, for the game or something like that. And, you know, I understand that, but yeah, but, but yeah, they used to, that's the yeah. thing. Like they used yeah. to figure it out and they, and they just, I mean, they're at the point where apathy has, has set in. Like, I mean, I mean, we've been at that point, but it, I mean, how, how do you come back? Like do they, they don't have a choice at this point. Right. I mean, it's looking more and more that way. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I said at the end of last year that, that bringing Danny back would probably be more of a fork in the, in the fan base and apathy would set in and, and apathy has, I mean, and if you bring him back for another year, it's only going to get worse. And is, is that on the table? I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I didn't think it was last year. So, so I yeah, don't, the buyout goes down allegedly. Right. I mean, I know there's only so much we can know because of the fact that it's a private school and whatever, but that's sort of the indication is that the buyout goes down some this year, right? Yeah. The buyout should go down. Um, 
and and you don't you don't bring in John Curry to only wallow away more uh, yeah. with your flagship program. So, you know, I, I think it's I think it's to the point now where you just you never want to peg something in that there's still the slightest chance it might not happen. I mean, it's that's that's where it is. I still don't think I, I really don't think Danny Manning was a bad hire when it happened. I think the second contract was a bad contract, but Definitely. wake a certain. Wake's not alone in giving out bad coaching contracts, so I'm not going to kill them too much for that. But, um, it, you know, I, I didn't I didn't mind the hire, and Danny had some nice moments. It just has not worked for a no. variety of reasons. No, and I mean, you know, I was you know, I was in Burlington when for the f- last couple years of the Bizdelic era, and then the first few of Danny's. So I was kind of the the quasi outside viewpoint was to me, you know, Bazdelic probably made that that situation a little radioactive with with how poor it was and and how much the program tanked in the four years that he had the job. So you're not going to go out and get some some world beater uh, in 2014. Um, they they thought they had Shaka Smart, but it didn't work out and. Well, so you, good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Might be available so, now. Yeah, I, you know, Wake fans uh, are really enamored with him again. And I, I don't know if it's Stockholm Syndrome because he said no to him the first time. And now they they want to give him another chance. It's like the, it's like the, uh, the, the girl or guy that has yeah. turned you down once. And now you have, a, now you, you have another shot. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, Shaka, I would hope he would have learned from some of the mistakes he's made, I think, in his tenure at Texas. And that's certainly possible. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. That, that'd be be interesting, to say the least. I, I, before we move on from Wake, God, I don't even know who they're playing this weekend. What, they're, what do you think? They're, they're the team that's off this oh, weekend. Mercifully. There you go. <laughs> um, what do you think um, – what would they do with Wes Miller? Like if they, if they were to get Wes from UNCG, how would the the fan base react to that? I have some of my own opinions about that, but I think some of them are a little bit conjecture based on like my growing up in Greensboro around a ton yeah. of Wake fans and, and things like that. What do you think? What's your sense of how the fan base would react to that? I think Wes would be pretty well received. Um, I think the biggest hang up on Wes would be you're hiring someone that you you might not be able to fire with his his father being one yeah. of Wake's major donors. I mean, the his name is on the the building that is now one half of the practice facility that they have oh, for the yeah. basketball center. Um, I didn't even think about the fact that you wouldn't be able to fire him. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just you. I don't know if you want to put yourself in that position, but. When it, when it comes down to strictly evaluating a basketball coach and whether he would be successful at your program, I think Wes would be a really good pick. I think that, yeah. you know, to me, the, the most impressive thing and the, the selling point for Wes as an ACC coach ready to jump from the SOCON to the ACC is his, his first probably half or a little more than half of his tenure at UNCG, he was not a very good coach. I mean, his... Yep. His teams were underachieving. They had talent, but they didn't 
necessarily put it all together because he's trying to to run the UNC system. Uh-huh. And he he had the the self-awareness and the wherewithal to say, oh, look, what I'm trying to do is not working. I'm trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And he adjusted his system. And now they've, uh, I had done all the numbers last year and I need to, to update them a little bit. But I, I would imagine he's won something like 90 or 100 games in the last three and a half years. And wow, he's, you know, it, it's, it's a well-oiled machine over there. They lost uh, a couple seniors off of last year's team and they're right back at the top of the SOCON right now. So that's, that's where you can, you can really sell the fact that he is a basketball coach. He, he knows uh, where his faults are and he knows how to address them. And to me, I mean, that that's one of the most important things for a basketball coach to learn. And he's learned it before he turns 40. Yeah. God, that's wild. And Shaka hasn't seemed to have learned that yet. I mean, he still can, he still has time, but right. Um, you know, he was trying, he was trying to do square peg round hole and it just, or either the actually, no, Shaka was just like not running havoc there as much as he was before. And it's like, well, this is what made you successful. I don't know, you know, yeah, you know what I, you're trying I, to do now. I haven't, I haven't watched enough Texas basketball in the last five years to know, uh, specifically where his shortcomings are, but I know that that's the one main thing is that you run havoc at VCU and it gets you all these wins. It gets you into the final four. And then you go to Texas and you think that you, you don't need havoc or you want to prove that you can win without having this, you know, run opponents and run your own team into the ground system. And so when that doesn't work, what are you going to do? And, you know, I, I don't know that the results are necessarily there to inspire much confidence. Yeah. Um, one last thing about Wes before we move on to the actual games. Like, do you think the fact that he has the Carolina connection would bother people? I don't think it does. Um, oh, that's good. good for you, Wake fans. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's you, you can probably chalk that up to a decade of what they've been through as we don't care if it's a, Carolina player or a Duke player or whoever um, you'll get a little bit of that. Like uh, it's more so um, when I've seen them try to talk about Steve Wojciechowski. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. They'll, they'll say, no, we don't want a Dukey. Um, he's probably, you know, it's, it's just the fact that he's more representative of the Duke culture. You know, when yeah, you think it's true. When you think Duke point guards, like he's one of the first ones that come to mind. When you think Carolina point guards, you're not exactly thinking of Wes. Oh, you're definitely uh, not thinking of Wes. <laughs> so, so I think that plays a, a factor in it. But um, that makes but sense. Yeah, I, I don't think it matters much to the vast majority of of the fan base. I think if if they get a coach in there that can win and get some excitement back and get some some butts in the seats, uh, it won't be much of an issue. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, we'll get into this weekend's games. Are you you're an EP voter for basketball as well, aren't you? Or are no, you not? I, I oh, only do bless football. your heart. Oh yeah. man, basketball uh, has been a chore. I was asked uh, to do basketball, and I told uh, Aaron Beard that I just I, I'll do it if you can't find anybody else. But please try to find somebody else because I really don't want to deal with having to do the basketball poll too. 
It, it is a nightmare. It really is. I mean, I just the teams you have to rank each week that you just look at and you're like, this isn't a top 25 team, but you look at everyone else and you're like, I guess it is. I don't know. Especially this year. I can't, I can't fathom oh trying to figure out whether a yeah. mid-major is better than the eighth best team in the Big Ten. Right. Like I actually flirted with ranking Stephen F. Austin this week. <laughs> because yeah. I was like, well, at least they're not losing. Like, yeah. I don't want to rank some eight loss team. Yeah. Uh, no. I know. Um, all right. Noon on Saturday, Virginia at Pitt. This feels a little trappy to me. Um, if it's a team, especially for any team other than Virginia, who's become one of those teams I trust, um, which is probably dangerous in this year's ACC to trust anybody. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I, you've got to believe in Tony Bennett. If there's nobody else to believe in, believe in that guy. Like it, what's funny is like while Duke might actually finally get that regular season, you know, title this year, I think that Tony Bennett, if Virginia keeps playing this way, might just sneak up and and steal Coach of the Year from K. Because to me, Coach of the Year was like a no brainer for K for a while. Like, okay, this will be the year that they finally vote Mike Shusky Coach of the Year, first time since two thousand whatever. But like, if Virginia finishes really hot, I don't know, man. I think they might reconsider and vote for Tony. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've uh, I've had that thought a couple times. Um, I feel like you're disrespecting Bunny Colvin down in Tallahassee with this. You're being, okay, you know what? You're being fair. You're being fair. <laughs> well, it depends on what they do too, of course. You know, yeah. but I mean, it's I don't know. Just the way they've been able to get that team going offensively, and I saw them earlier in the year, and it was a hot mess. Um, they figured something out in Virginia, which is good to see because I enjoy watching that team when they have good players that can run their offense well. And that was not the case for a lot of the season. And it seems like some guys are figuring some things out. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I think, I think Thomas. Well, uh, the tenth eye. Okay. Thank you. Cause you know, I only have to, I usually only have to spell these names and that's fine. But, uh, he got hot. Uh, when they won in overtime at Wake, I think he had seven threes in that game. So I think he had had a, a bit of success before that game, and that was really his the the breakout game. And then he had yeah. six threes the other day against Carolina. Um, he had a bunch against Louisville too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if, if, I guess if if you have the point guard who can distribute and get to the hole and and finish in such creative ways and you have the shooter on the wing and you have Diakite down low who's getting his offensive touch uh you can piece together a semi-capable offense and that probably doesn't work for most other college basketball teams but when you have a college basketball team that plays defense like Virginia then it can work you can win yeah definitely Pitt's on a little bit of a skid here but they, you know, they can be tougher than expected at home. I'm sure Cable will have them fired up for this game. It'll probably be pretty gross, but we'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting because um, Virginia probably doesn't want to mess around and do anything stupid in this game. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that I think this is a Virginia team that is playing its best basketball late in the season, which is what you've come to expect from them. Yeah. Speaking of Bunny Colvin. Uh, FSU at NC State, NC State coming off that big win over Duke, both literally and, you know, figuratively. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, this takes a lot of pressure off of them, in my opinion, for this game, because 
you know, they had those three quad one opportunities left. They had to get one and maybe even two of them and they've got one. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit, I think they'll maybe be a little looser in this game. I don't worry about state nearly as much in this game as I do on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, you've been around, you, you know, this. Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I honestly, I think Florida state rolls. I think the, the I, law of the, I think the law of the wolf comes into play when, when you expect the most, you get the least. Uh, yeah, if we've learned anything about NC State, it doesn't even matter who the coach is or who the players are. After big wins, they're just not going to be there. It's But see, for me, the fact that they're going to Carolina on Tuesday factors into this some. Yeah. That's what's throwing me a little bit. Because State fans are already like, take Carolina in that game. Which, you know, I mean, logically, we all know that makes no sense, but we also understand how this works. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard for me to imagine them getting blown out by Florida State and then going to Carolina and losing. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's almost, you know, at, at this point a week from now, I think you could look at it and say, that's fine that we lost to Florida State after we got the Duke win. Because we went to Carolina and won, and kind of reversed the the pain of losing at home to that team. That'll make me feel better, since I guarantee that this state team would not get swept by this UNC team, and I'm very nervous about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying what to apply logic because what? I was trying to apply logic to this basketball season, which was my first mistake. Yeah, and then, uh, and then trying to apply logic to State Carolina, which was another mistake. You doubled down. Uh, I'm sweating it out. Um, <laughs> I, I like this Florida State team a lot, obviously for several reasons. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, like if State doesn't, it'll be hard for me to imagine State bringing that same level of intensity that they had the other night. And I think that's the biggest thing is when you're playing a team like this, it's going to be tough to score against them you're going to have to concentrate you're going to have to go after the ball with a lot of energy the same energy you brought the other night and i hope i'm wrong for state's sake but i just don't know that they can replicate that effort yeah i just i i go to it's so hard to to play that florida state team and maintain the energy when they come at you in waves they just uh, they better hope that fsu is pretty cold which can happen to them yeah uh and that'll keep, that could keep State around long enough that if they don't come out with a ton of energy, maybe they can figure out a way to rally and, and they're at home and everything else. So we'll see. It's interesting, if nothing else. But I, I just where what you know, where has this been, State? Like the other night, I just that's what I kept shaking my head and saying is like, why aren't you like this all the time? I don't understand. Yeah, we watched uh, Adam Smith was sitting next to me in the press room after the wake game and he had stat broadcasts on and we just kept checking it. And it, you know, it was, uh, I think it was something like 35 to 18 or so. And it's like, Oh man, they've, they got up big on them and stayed up big. And then we saw the Markel shot at halftime to keep it up 15. And it was like, man, you know, they, maybe they're going to do this. And then they, still were ahead by 20 like into the second half and it was just like oh my gosh duke's duke's not even coming like duke's duke has no chance to come back in this if they've got all these things going 
Kay is like, Kay was so happy about his team last week and I get it. And then this week he was just, I mean, understandably, he was pretty annoyed. Yeah. Um, he said something like this isn't an Xbox game or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I saw those. I saw those. It's a human game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks uh, for the uh, existential lesson. And he should be annoyed with them because you know he spent all week being like, they're going to play their butts off against y'all. They're going to play so hard. You will need to match their intensity like by a lot. And their team was just like, no, we saw the Boston College game. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He warned him. Duke is a team that kind of sets up as, you know, if if they get pushed, I don't know if they necessarily have the pushback. Well, it's weird, though. Like, they played great. I mean, they were super tough against, like, Florida State, and I don't think they lost the Louisville game due to, like, a lack of competitiveness. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what's weird. And, and like, with even in the Carolina game, like, they just kept rallying and sticking around and, you know, long enough to make the run, obviously. And I just don't. I did not. I did not see that coming in any way, shape, or form. Like their effort the other night, I did not see coming or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. I, f- mm. I forgot the, uh, you know, I forgot the Carolina game, which is abhorrent. But, <laughs> but yeah, add, uh, add it to the list for Carolina, man. And we'll, oof. we'll that that gets us to them probably. They're at Louisville <laughs> at four. I mean, every time I think they're going to get blown out, they don't. I don't know that they get blown out. I think this plays out probably more like the game at Florida State where yeah. where like they stick around a little bit and then they just can't get over the hump. So, I mean, on the bright side, Carolina fans, you won't lose a big lead probably. <laughs> <laughs> so is that? I, I kind of do think they get blown out in this one. I think Louisville I mean, has their get-right game. And, yeah. yeah I, I, think, I think they solved what ails them. Um, of course you, you never know, but uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan Wara, um, is still kind of struggling. Um, you know, he was five for 18 the other night. He did get to the foul line. Finally, he was rebounding better assist turnovers, all better for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Chris Mack was like way happier with this defense. Cause that had been a big issue. That's why he got benched the game before, but, um, I mean, if I'm nitpicking, I guess that's the only thing I can really point to with Louisville. Um, yeah, is him. I I love the the 23 assists on 30 field goals in that game, Ooh, and I yeah. know that gets it gets conflated a little bit with the with playing the zone, but just to have the ball movement back, uh, especially after you you play rock fights against Georgia Tech and Clemson, I think that's the the best sign for me for them going forward. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> playing against the zone, which is funny because that'll get us to the other four o'clock game, Georgia Tech at Syracuse. And Jim Beheim. by the way, in Ken Palm's numbers, which I know Jim doesn't like Ken Palm, we're going to get to that. Um, <laughs> they, they're like dead last in the country in terms of assists, percentage of field goals that are assisted, Syracuse's. That's a banana stat to me. Like, I know the zone acquits, it's like allows for that, but like, that's it's hard to do right like yeah. to be last in that it's just that's a wild stat to me they a uh, 72% of opponents field goals are assisted yeah uh <laughs> like that sounds made up <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh yeah did you see what jim said about uh Beheim? I, no, I've, only, 
I've only seen like the references, and then I saw somebody say that he's mad at Ken Palm, but it's not even a Ken Palm number that he was looking at. That's correct. It was not oh a Ken Palm. <laughs> it was not a Ken Palm number. What he was referencing in his post game rant, um, he was referencing some uh, defensive statistics. Um, he said, quote, I love this. I don't know where this guy, he's making a lot of money, Ken Palm, but when you start putting in print, they scored 25% against the zone against Buddy and 25% against this guy. I'm telling you right now, no one in this room, nobody that's doing Ken Palm knows who's at fault when somebody scores on us. No one knows, not one person. <laughs> so whose numbers are these actually? They're synergies. Oh, <laughs> And it's funny, and Ken Palm even said this, like he was like, you know, he's, he he was like, he invoked my name by mistake, but at the same time, like he does make a good point about the defensive stuff. And that's something that's interesting to me too, because synergy stats are starting to be more and more of a thing. And there is that part for me, and we see this in football some too, where I feel like people that chart, we're, we're depending a lot on people who chart games, knowing who's responsible for for a given play breaking down or a basket being scored or um a coverage bust in football or whatever it is you know we don't really know a lot of the times yeah that's uh that's an interesting yeah uh that's that's dangerous territory i mean i do with with wake football i i rewatch every game and i do these film reviews and i'll put in there you know it looks like uh this corner missed the assignment here or this linebacker missed the gap that he was supposed to fill. But as many times as I can, I will try to put in there disclaimers of, you know, but you know, I never played high level football. I don't know (laughs) for sure. Like I don't have a direct line to Dave Clawson where I can send him a, a clip and say, Hey, who missed the coverage here? Who missed the run fill or, yeah, yeah, and that's what he would even tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, oh, man, um, yeah, I, I don't. And it's, it's tough to chart zone defensive assignments. You know what I mean? Oh, like, it's oh, it's God. tough to attribute that to anybody. Yeah, and and I, Syracuse's 2-3, everybody just thinks it's the same 2-3 all the time. They have variations that they throw in where they have different rotations and they have different responsibilities. It's not just the same thing every single play down the court, every single game. So I'm, I'm kind of with Jim. Right. I, don't, I don't know that I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that in a year that they're coming to Greensboro for the ACC tournament, but... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. I, I was going to say, like, I, I, I tweeted the other night, first you come at Greensboro, now you come at Ken Palm. Like, how dare you? But he, he, as Ken Palm sort of said, he stumbled into a good point um, about the charting of defensive stats, especially against, a, like, for a zone defense. And it is, it is, I mean, we saw this the other night when Carolina was at Notre Dame and there was, like, a debate on Twitter as to, like, whose fault it was about the, the, the three-pointer given up. And there, yeah. you know, that's all. Some of that is just so subjective. Yeah, and and nobody in the debate or trying to get in the debate is in a Carolina practice and watching right. a Carolina pra- and and knows what Roy Williams specifically wants out of Leaky Black or Armando Baycott or Garrison Brooks. You know, it's none of us have that, and so all we do is guess and it's conjecture and. 
you know, if you if you present those things as fact and it's only conjecture, then that's that's slippery territory. Yeah, the one thing I felt like I did know well enough to say when I was talking about defense was uh, when Braxton Beverly was guarding Ryan McMahon and was helping off of him and let him get hot from three in that game. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't think Kevin Keats told him to help off of McMahon. I'm just I'm just throwing that out into the universe. Yeah, that goes. Um, I don't. And and the the craziest thing about that is you have somebody who's got probably the same scouting report on them who's ignoring it. You know, it's <laughs> state players in the scouting report, the 2020 yeah. season. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that was a, it was a fun locker room the other night though. Um, they were obviously pretty happy. Um, it, always, I def- it, it always is when they get big wins. I mean, I know. Yeah. I may or may not have written my column uh, based on their wing sauce preferences. Yeah. Well, they all had mild, which surprised me. Like almost yeah. all of them. DJ Funderburk was the only one that had hot wings. And look, I as a mild wing aficionado myself, I'm not disparaging that preference. I was just surprised that like for a bunch of college kids, they're all out there getting mild wings. So DJ was the only one who had any that I saw, yeah, that had hot wings, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so I made a little, I made a very cheesy reference about how they might have had mild wings, but their game against Duke was anything but. And I was like, I, I hate myself, but I'm doing this. I just, I have to. It was very late at night. Um, it's, when I it's, also, it's also getting to late February where you're kind of, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of in the mold of if something strikes me, I'm going to write it and there's not going to be too much hesitation to, fill something out yes maybe, maybe that's just the the bludgeoning that comes with covering wake but oh yeah no you gotta find like you've got to find something that's either like the humorous part or just the observational part or whatever it is because yeah. you know a million people are going to be writing about state beating duke and what this means for ncaa tournament and stuff and i'm like oh, i'll just write about wings <laughs> it's fine i think Devin daniels having mild wings surprised me more than anything yeah, he, 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 he's not, he doesn't. Yeah, uh, hot wings. Yeah, he yeah. strikes me as like atomic wing guy, but because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just kind of how he plays. But oh man! All right, six o'clock, Clemson at BC. Gross! Oh my god! We have to do this game, right? I wonder if both teams are secretly thinking that too. Do, do we have to? Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to. I mean, look, whatever. Clemson will probably go there and lose because they don't play well on the road. Boston College at home is this weird, like, Bermuda Triangle of basketball. It's really I, – I, uh, I got to make the trip up there for Wake's opener um, or for the opener of the season. And, you know, you, you see it on TV and you kind of get the sense. And then you're there and there, even the season opener, that's, that's kind of – when optimism should be at an all-time high, uh, at least for for teams that are picked to finish at the bottom of the ACC. And there might have been 5,000 people there. There was barely an atmosphere. They got up on Wake big in the first half and kind of just held them off from really any kind of legitimate threat in the second half. 
it still is just kind of a ho-hum, you know, when's the next hockey game arena? Um, yeah. That's what you always hear about that place. It's just there's no atmosphere, nothing. You yeah, know, I mean... A, it's a BYOE arena. It's bring your own energy. And we we see it at Wake. I see it, uh, you know, about... 10 times a year now in the, in the ACC, I, I see these teams come to the Joel and there's always two or three of them that come in and they're heavy, heavy favorites against wake. And they just, you know, they, yeah. they don't, they don't, they don't like have, the of they, don't have playoff. they don't, yeah. That's what's weird. That's what Wake has kind of become, right? It's like become a sneaky, tough place to play, not because of the atmosphere in there, which is what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, that used to be the reason, but now it's like sneaky, tough because of Boston College reasons. I don't think I've heard a more sad observation about Wake basketball um, in like the last 10 minutes, at least. Uh, so <laughs> so the, Ken Palm has the home court advantage tracker and Wake is 31st in Division One. Wow. But it's just not for good reasons, like you were saying. No. Oh my no, god. It's, it's because we the the best example that I have of it was um two years ago, the year that Wake's main rotation was like Brian Crawford and Keyshawn Woods and Drow Moore had a really good season. Um the year after John Collins and Dino Smitiglu left. And a Florida State team came in there. It was like early to mid February and that Florida state team, I think was the team that ended up getting to the elite eight and lost to Michigan. That team came in there and they just, they had no desire to play and they had no energy and wake won. And that was year wake was four and 14 in the ACC. And they had two wins against uh, elite eight teams. Cause I think that was the year Syracuse got there too. Oh man. And both both of those games were home games and both of those games were games that you look at the you know, we're we sit catty cornered to the visitors bench and you look over there and it's just like these guys have no energy. They don't want to be here. They got dragged to Winston Salem, North Carolina, and there's there's no juice for them to play here. Jeez. God, that's so I can't. I mean, I know I grew up in the nineties. You know, that was my, like, formative basketball time. And I know that makes me extra sad, but, like, I just, I can't. I can't live in this world where Wake is like this. Make Wake Forest great again, please, someone. (laughs) Um, All right. Speaking of do we have to do this, Virginia Tech at Duke. Oof. No. Oh, boy. I was, uh, I was earlier before coming on, I was looking at this one as something that maybe you can grasp a straw and say that Virginia Tech has a chance if they come in and get hot from behind the line but uh, not and not not with Duke coming out of that performance too like there's yeah. just they're, they're gonna play so much I mean they play honestly that's the thing with this team they've played hard usually anyways like, like that game being an exception of them being out tough to the other night but they're going to be extra, extra on edge, I think, against Virginia Tech. And then Virginia Tech's just been really on. Virginia Tech is who we thought they were at this point, like to invoke Denny Green. I think I did that last week, uh, last episode too. I just keep <laughs> Denny Green. But I mean, as good a job as Mike Young has done, like they've just fallen back to what we thought they would be. And that's fine. Like I understand why they're like this. Um, they overperformed earlier in the year 
and they're falling back to what we thought they were and they're probably going to get completely obliterated in that game oh my god i'm just catching up that their game on wednesday was three overtimes i was watching it when it got to the first overtime and then i saw the score later and it didn't even register (laughs) overtime game before that one i bet it involves your team i was actually at that game oh man (laughs) yeah wake carolina in 2004 i believe in the 2000 i think it was actually in 2003 because i think it was in december um gosh that long ago yeah yeah yes that long ago (laughs) that was a great game that was one of the best games i've ever been at that was a really awesome game oh my god i need wake to be good again this is just making me sad um to think about how good they were back then and yeah uh it's like i'm I'm the most depressing accb writer (laughs) no not in football yeah that's true Mm -hmm. I was going to say, spring, like... Spring practice starts Tuesday. Boston College probably has that most depressing on lock, right? Yeah, I, you know... When you combine, they, like, where their football program is in basketball? I mean, maybe Georgia Tech is a close second. Boston College is the one last year that gave their coach an extension. <laughs> when, when his job status was, was questioned, they doubled, you know... Again, Good old Jim down. Christian. Yeah. Uh, Jim Christian getting an extension for being meh. That's college basketball in a nutshell right now. I don't understand that at all. Um, I miss Al Skinner. Speaking of being depressed about programs that were once very good, I miss Al Skinner so much and would like literally start a GoFundMe to get him back there. Yeah, I I don't know what the road forward for that program is. Um, I don't either. I already trashed their arena and their fan base that doesn't show up. Uh you know, it's like Boston isn't Boston is a city that has a bunch of colleges, but isn't a college town because you have the Celtics, the Bruins, the Red Sox, and the Pats. Like, yeah, I don't. There's just not much of a college sports atmosphere there. No, definitely not. But I just miss watching the flex offense and. Al Skinner was so good there and he had them so much better than they are right now, which is certainly relative, of course, but, yeah. uh, um, Oh God, Sunday speaking of, do we have to do this again? Miami at Notre Dame, um, Miami coming off that triple overtime win. Miami's won like Miami's looking way better lately, actually. I mean, not to be, I mean, that's certainly relative, but they, they have two, they beat Boston college by double digits. You saw them be wake by, yeah double digits and then the triple overtime win at virginia tech that's a tricky place to play god there's so much ruining of like potential ncaa tournament teams that are going to go on in the last few games of the season i can just feel it yeah you're looking at that virginia game there uh at miami well i was actually even looking at like i mean notre dame doesn't have a very good shot anyways but like that's a game too where they could just totally ruin any shot Notre Dame has if they were able to get that win. Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> and then looking at like, yeah, Virginia at Pitt actually would scare me a little more than Virginia Miami, but maybe even Virginia Miami too. Yeah. I mean, it's just so much potential ruining that could happen. And then they got Syracuse. So they got three of the bubble teams. <laughs> yep. Yes. Oh, man. I um I remember being on the teleconference after Miami's loss to Florida State and um, Jim Laranega, who I, I think the world of him. Um, so I'll put that out there first, but 
he was on the teleconference talking about how uh, going into that Boston College game and the the practice on Tuesday before that game, they were excited because they were going to finally have enough players to put together a full five on five set and you know not have to have any assistant coaches fill in or any you know Jeez. managers made into walk ons uh, fill spots. And then I, what did he say? He, uh, Sam Wardenberg, like got poked in the eye at the end of practice and missed the Boston college game. So the the weight game wound up being the first game, I think since they were fully healthy that they had a a full complement of players. That's wild. And they've, they've had the, you know, their younger players really coming into their own too. Um, which I guess has been like a, a sneaky benefit of, not having a full roster because some of those guys had to fill bigger roles, but I don't, I mean, uh, yeah, I I mean, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how much it helps you in terms of, um, I mean, I guess if, if they finish hot and win three of these last four or something like that, they could find their way into the NIT. Um, That'd be nice for them. They make a little run in Greensboro. They could, you know, I don't maybe make a little running green party. Is that yeah. a Chris Likes joke? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I love no. Chris Likes. I do too. Um Yeah, I, I don't know I don't know how you can watch Chris Likes and not just love everything about that kid's game. Yeah. Um, I just I mean Miami's just again like another team floating in that sea of meh. Um, that is the ACC this year, which I mean, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast before is in some ways, it's not what the ACC wants because you'd rather be top heavy and they're not top heavy. But I will say that I think the bottom of the league this year is significantly better than the bottom of the league in the last couple of years, like by a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely. When, when you talk about, you know, Carolina is the last place team and Carolina's had how many chances to beat teams at the top of the league in the, in just the last three weeks. Best I can tell, um, by the way, I think wake is the only other team with multiple ACC losses, having been up double digits in the second half. Um, yeah, they only have two to be fair. Yeah. (laughs) Carolina has like, I think four, maybe a little more than that. Oh no, six Carolina has six. <laughs> yeah. Lord. Yeah. And and many of them have come with double digit leads inside of uh 3 minutes. So Wakes would have been the Clemson game and the Louisville game. Uh Virginia and Louisville. Okay. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Clemson might have only might have only gotten to 8 or 9 there. I was going to say I'm I'm working on a potential story about this for Carolina just cuz I'm so fascinated by it. Like it's it is kind of a wild thing. Like, no, they're not very good, but at the same time, like in this year's college basketball, neither is anyone else. So like the plays that the other team has to make to make that happen in the yeah. it, that's what's insane to me too. And then how bad Carolina has to be down the stretch. Like all of that has to work together in like perfect harmony for that to work. You know, and for it to happen six times is kind of crazy. <laughs> like it's insane. <laughs> The, the perfect harmonies it's true i mean it's like yeah, yeah. and I, I and so i the wake is the, i was trying to find a team that's comparable 
it looks like Wake has had five double-digit second-half leads against teams that matter at all. Um, And they've won four, no, six second-half leads, and they've won four of those. Okay. Uh, um, Whereas Carolina, and I'm going since Cole Anthony's injury, Carolina has had, I'm not throwing the Miami game in there because they won by so much. Mm. They've been, I think it's seven times, and they've won five. Or they've won two, sorry. Seven times they've had the double-digit second-half lead. That was not Miami, which they obviously won handily. And they've won two. Holy crap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild. But I'm, I'm digging into the stats because I'm kind of curious. Like, more, like, not morbidly curious, but it's like it's, it's just pretty insane. Yeah, this is where you use a word and then you apologize to everybody, everybody, everybody. <laughs> I mean, I know no one's going to feel sorry for Carolina. It's just more like the statistical craziness of it that fascinates me more so than like, oh no, Carolina, they're so such a downtrodden fan base. Like, I understand that part. It's just more like, how does this happen? Yeah. <laughs> over and over again. How does this happen? Um, yeah. Well, and like I said, if it's any consolation, I doubt that it's going to happen again on Saturday. You'll just probably lose wire to wire there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a. In a lot of ways, it made the weight game easier. I think for them to stomach because there was never, you know. <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous game to play. The would you rather? Uh, right. <laughs> would you would you rather have hope for thirty five minutes of a game and then just have it all stripped away, or would you rather just go into the game get down by you know seventeen to four and not have a chance for the rest of the way? Yeah, I think at. Uh, Usually they'd say they'd rather have a chance. I think Carolina fans would, but after so many times of this, I think they're just like, no, please, just just get it over with. Rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. This is too much. No. Uh, nobody wants to go through Groundhog Day. No. All right, Connor. Well, we'll, we'll get you out of here, um, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Hopefully Wake Forest basketball can be significantly less sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Spring practice, Tuesday. Hey, Wake's a football school. All right. Talk to everybody next week.